We're joined by Tim Hudak, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Happy Tuesday to you, sir. Happy Tuesday. Right back to you, John Moore. So uh, here we are on the precipice of Pride Month. The New York Region Catholic School Board voted last night against flying the Pride flag. I don't think it needs to be some sort of a crucible test of people, but I just think it's, you know, guys, just fly the flag. What's the big deal? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm puzzled, I, and I got this one wrong. If you and I would have bet on this uh, last time we addressed it on, on the morning brief, look, the uh, the Toronto Catholic, the, the two boards I, I guess I, I know the best, the Toronto Catholic District School Board, because I'm on a parent council here in Toronto and, and Niagara Catholic, where, where I'm from, uh, both are, pl- are flying the pride flag. My, my daughter's schools, both of them in the Catholic system, are celebrating Pride Week, and, and good for them and good for those schools. So I'm surprised that York is the outlier. No, no, look, I'm not. Toronto and Niagara took a, a while to get there. It was only in 2021, a couple of years ago. But I was puzzled that York would do this, particularly with all the focus that's been put on them. I, I don't know if there's just a, a group of trustees there who are, you know, particularly anti flag or wanting to take a stand here. Uh, my, my, my gut tells me that. When you get a small group of people to come to any kind of local council or school board, they, they sweat. You get enough people in front of some of these, you know, l- lower level, um, uh, Political practice practitioners, I guess you can you can sway a vote no matter how insensible uh, it it can be, and and I guess that's the only explanation I have. When they had a group of parents who were anti-flag came out a couple of weeks ago, convinced enough that their electoral futures were at stake, and they decided to cave on this, they should change that decision and get it up for next year. Okay, and a related file: we have Blue Jays Anthony Bass endorsing via video an anti-LGBTQ um, protest against Bud Light and Target. Here's a little bit of the audio. Here's the reason biblically why I believe Christians ought to be boycotting Target and Bud Light and any other corporation that's pushing the things they're pushing. Here's what the Bible says. It tells us what to do as Christians in Ephesians chapter 5. It says this, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them for it is shameful to even talk of the things that they do in secret. So what does that mean to take no part? Well, what's Target do? It's a business. They sell things. And to take part in that is to take part in that God of mammon that they're serving and to take part in the darkness that they're purveying and getting out to the world and and, and shoving into children's faces. And to take part in that is to give them your money. And I believe the Bible gives us radical precedent to say no. All right. Maybe I'll leave that to uh, the Reverend Michael Corrin. Um, But, you know, this is a professional sports figure taking positions just in advance of the Blue Jays trying to do an outreach night for, uh, you know, queer people. Yeah, in, in a rather uh, aggressive uh, fashion uh, as well. Look, I, I don't, I don't like uh, sports figures uh, getting into politics on on whatever issue. I, I just it makes me feel uncomfortable. That is not their lane. Why you feel the need, just like celebrities, to go and preach? If you want to get involved in politics, uh, do so. But when you're on the team, you concentrate for the success of that team, the collegiality of the sport, those that are on the diamond or on the ice with you. And it'll be interesting.
interesting to see how the Blue Jays, you know, try to handle this issue as they head into Pride uh, celebrations when he's out there in such an aggressive way, uh, undermining what the team is rightly trying to achieve. Okay, so there's a couple of real estate stories completely in your wheelhouse. Uh, one of them is uh, more than half of GTA condo investors apparently are losing money on their properties. And Tim, you know, nobody ever guaranteed that if you went out and bought uh, a stock that you were going to be able to get somebody else to pay for it and break even. So I don't know why this is that worrisome a, a stat. Now, I had a couple of thoughts on, on, on this. There's an old expression that you can try to time the market, but usually the market is going to time you. It's always important to get the advice of uh, your, your realtor to make the right investments. But look, if, if you made these purchases in a pre-construction condo, you buy ahead of time, you see the plans, it eventually gets built, and it's your investment, or you sell it off, or you live in it. But this is a function of where the real estate market you know, was, where we expect it to be. Uh, last year compared to where we are now. So values have gone down and your carrying costs, your mortgage uh, has uh, increased as well. But this is a long-term I- investment. Right. And thankfully we're doing this. The mom and pop landlords, for example, John, have really been the, the source of supply for new rental housing. And, and let's not cry too much either in that you're still paying down equity, right? Typically you will have a renter in those units once they get built, if you're not there yourself, and that renter is helping to pay down that mortgage for you. So while they might be in a cash negative position temporarily, they are actually paying down the, uh, uh, gaining equity by paying down the mortgage uh, on uh, that home. It's a function of the market and the way things are going. You know, you're going to get your head above water in time. Do you agree with the idea that Toronto is quoting, according to one article anyway, hurtling toward what they're calling a city session, but effect- effectively a downturn? I'm not totally on board with this. I think Toronto is in for a readjustment specifically in the city core, but I don't see us entering into some kind of trouble. Yeah, I'm of the exact uh, same uh, view on this. It's, you know, that old expression about uh, people who have successfully predicted 18 of the last three recessions, yeah. uh, right? It's another one of those stories. This looks to me, when you when you read the underlying uh, current theme here, John, it looks far more uh, like a campaign by the Chamber of Commerce to get people back downtown. I mean, I mean, good for them. That's that's part of their uh, mandate to help their, their business members uh, to ship people away from a hybrid or work-from-home model. So it seems consistent. This this is Monera's data. Most of the story is focused on the downtown areas of, uh, of urban communities and showing that people aren't spending as much as they had previously, which I suspect is true at the retail level. You know, investing in, in clothes for work, the lunches, the coffee shops, all that. I suspect that's true. But a broad-based recession as a result of this data? No, I don't see that. In fact, I'm feeling more optimistic about the Canadian economy uh, than I would have, say, three or four months ago. Downtown's getting some erosion. Sure, we'll find a new balance on that. But overall, I think we're actually doing a decent job of heading in the right direction. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is going to be with us at 8.20 this morning. He is calling for the special rapporteur, David Johnston, to be fired. Uh, I don't know that he necessarily needs to be fired, but I think maybe he and the prime minister could have a, a meeting and he could quietly leave through the back door. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Look, you need a, a full public inquiry into this issue. David uh, Johnston has, I think, I don't know why he took this job in the first place. Yeah. Uh, John, it's a lose-lose, and he's damaged his reputation. There's a hubris there um, that uh, that is actually rather offensive, and the prime minister is doing a lousy job in this. So why does Jugmeet Singh want to tie himself to this in any way? I, I give this this maneuver about a, a five and a half uh, out of ten. Yeah, he's bringing a motion, an opposition day motion to the floor. I look forward to the interview at 8.20, saying that we need to have a full public inquiry. Good for him. 
but he's still the junior partner in this business, right? He's still propping up the Trudeau government. So, yeah, I've been there. I've had my share of opposition day motions, and you lead it, and you feel good about it, and you, you win the vote, and then nothing happens. Truly, if you want to bring some pressure on the prime minister, he could put the screws to him. He could find other ways for a direct confrontation and perhaps, you know, threaten this deal that he has to prop up the prime minister until 2025 or whatever. Get some concessions. So, yeah, OK, you have your day in the House. But what are you really going to do to get a full public inquiry and answer for Canadians? And we have a real life instance of undercover boss. Somebody spotted the CEO of KLM performing as a flight attendant during a flight. I thought that was great. I, I, I loved it too. I, if I get a chance, I'm going to put KLM on my list uh, a, as a result. I am looking for an airline that I can fall in love with, one brand that I would like, like you have in other areas. That's hard to do. I guess Porter is closest to me. I do like Porter. I, I do feel sometimes Air Canada's expression is, we're not happy till you're unhappy. <laughs> so it's God bless the CEO, when she's climbed to the ranks at KLM to become the top boss, actually puts on the full blue uniform and serves customers. I like it, and that gives me a feeling that maybe that it conveys itself all the way through the operation. They've moved up my list. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Have a great day. Tim Hudak on the Morning Brief.